And here we go. Community Talks. Welcome, 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 welcome for the community, by the community, presented by Bodhi Academy. Today we have community member Jeanette and Chow. Ladies, why don't you introduce yourselves? Chow can go first. Yes, I'll go first. Okay. Um, I'm Chow, and I have been a mindfulness practitioner since I was a teenager. And right now I'm 22 years old and a graduate student at UCSD. Nice. Hi, I'm Jeanette. Um, I've also been practicing mindfulness my whole life. Um, I am a teacher and a grad student at UCLA. Sweet, the lovely co-host Jeanette. Let's get started with our first topic of the day, which is mindfulness. Okay, um, well, just what is mindfulness to you, Joe? What does it mean to you? Okay, um, so mindfulness for me means just fully being there for yourself in the present moment, but that present moment can also mean you're there when you're thinking about your past, you're there for yourself when you're thinking of the future or anything that you're worried about in the future. But for me, it's all how I express myself in the present moment and being there for myself so that I can be able to like be a calm presence for anything in my external life. And mindfulness just really means a lot for me because of how it entered my life as a young teenager and how it shifted from a more cultural understanding of Buddhism and mindfulness to one that's more spiritual spiritual and philosophical that um, has helped me with every single aspect of my life since I was like 11. Um, how were you introduced to mindfulness? Um, when I was a, like in sixth grade, my parents made me go to a temple, a Buddhist Vietnamese temple and join a youth group there. But instead of really being taught the core tenets of mindfulness and how it can be applied to your life, it kind of felt militant in that we were forced to chant the Buddha's name for like 20 minutes while we're all sitting on cushions like staring at a huge statue of the Buddha and then meditate for 45 minutes, even though we had no idea what that meant or why it would even help us rather than, or the adults would just tell us, oh, it just keeps you calm and that's how you become connected to the Buddha. Um, so that's what I was first introduced to my, like what I thought of when I was a child but then I went to Deer Park Monastery and was taught that mindfulness is just listening to yourself. It can be applied to every single aspect of your life, whether it be eating meditation, 
walking meditation, even driving meditation, um, and taught the through Dharma talks how that could be applied to every aspect of your life, like love, or even to your studies, friendship, and yeah. So I've been practicing with Deer Park since I was 13 until now. I just I just have a question. Um, so yeah, you mentioned that you went into the monastery and and they forced you to basically meditate and chant. Um, how, what can you, can you describe that experience? Like, what were you what, like? It was just day one. And they're like, "This is what you're doing now." It's very militant. Uh, can you kind of go into more details? Yeah. So it was more of like a Vietnamese Buddhist temple, like one of those small temples. It's like similar to a church, except it's just like a community temple but that youth group in vietnamese culture is run by parents or like they're called huynh duong and the parents are like in charge of teaching you buddhism like the history of the buddha um, teaching you vietnamese and kind of tying in your culture with games and like the start of the day is a meditation every sunday we have a meditation in the morning and that will last like an hour just like chanting and meditation just imagine like a room full of like little kids and their parents are like sitting in the front like banging on the wooden thing and the bell and just like everyone's just sitting down like reading off of some like booklets in Vietnamese and we're like oh, so that's what it was you Sorry? And you and you said you were 13? I was 11, but I was considered one of the older kids. Like, <laughs> so it was ranging from ages like two um, to like 15. And then after age 15, you become like one of the heads. But yeah, it was just like, our parents made us wear uniforms, like gray uniforms, Dixie, like what's it, Dickies? That's the brand, pants. And yeah, it was like scouts, but Buddhist. <laughs> okay, okay. Did you, did you think this was like a cult? Kind of a little cult. It was like, it was weird because it was like run by the parents. We're like, why are we here? Um, so how did your experiences change when you went to Deer Park? Like what you mentioned that, um, we didn't really learn the core tenets of like mindfulness and how did you learn that at Deer Park and what was what changed for you? Yeah, so the biggest difference between Deer Park and um, the Sunday temple was that there were no parents <laughs> at teen camps yes. and everything was taught to us by actual monks and nuns and people who like were mindful. <laughs> I didn't think that any of those adults were very mindful or even like practice being slow and calm when they were yelling at us and blowing like their whistles. <laughs> yeah. Chant louder guys, come on. Come on, stop falling asleep. Oh, no. That's pretty much how it was. That was terrible. <laughs> it was fun though, not exactly mindful and conducive to like being calm 
But yeah, so Teen Camp and Deer Park Monastery, they actually have like Dharma talks and help us incorporate the practices into like everyday things, like I mentioned, rather than just teaching us like, this is the Buddha and this is why he's so important. And this is why you should chant his name in order to get good things. It like wasn't any of that. It was just the Buddha taught how to ease suffering in your life and how to, yeah, like use mindfulness and meditation in order to like ease your trauma and yeah. Um, can you give like an example of um, what would be talked about in a Dharma talk? Like what would they discuss? Um, five things that you learn in a Dharma talk. Okay. Um, the ones that I remember the most that applied to my teen life was how to love myself. So I feel like a really common topic and theme from the retreats and the talks are like true love. And in those talks, it included how to both love yourself first in order to then love others. And there's so many like different aspects to true love and loving yourself that I can like maybe try to list off, but yeah, I feel like instead of listing like a top five, like just everything that they talked about that pertain to loving yourself, like there's so many different things like really impacted me the most. So what were the top okay. five that impacted you the most? Okay. Um, I don't know if I can list off like five different things. Do you There's want me to like talk one. about? Yeah, how about you just talk about one and then we'll flow from there. Okay. First thing that pops in your head. Yeah, the first thing is Sister D's Dharma talks about true love. Um, she talks a lot about how to respect your body. I remember um, one saying that she had was, your body keeps all records. And that can be applied to like your sex life. Um, your body keeps all records. It keeps, even if you in your mind have the idea that, oh, this is just a casual thing and I'm fully consensual in like having sex with this person, there might be something residual that is kept in your body um, that might, I guess, like come out as trauma or, or if you don't fully love yourself in that moment and you're kind of giving away that power, your energy to someone else, like that's like the impact that it has on your body. You're like giving your energy to someone else who might not fully deserve it. And that can be tied into self-love and how to fully love others. Uh, something else was just 
um, like going back to how your body keeps all records, your body like remembers um, all of your previous traumas, your body remembers how you like your every day-to-day choices. Um, yeah, like that saying always is in my mind. Um, what is, what is something that you practice every day or you try to practice in your life that you have learned from, um, going to teen camp or, um, how do you incorporate mindfulness into your day to day or how would you like to? Mm-hmm. Um, something that. I've been working on every day is like waking up every morning and if I don't have time because I woke up too late to do like a quick meditation just silent meditation I'll just like go to the mirror where I get ready to brush my teeth and I just give myself like affirmations verbal affirmations out loud I'll say things like you are beautiful dang girl you're like hair is so strong, your skin like is so beautiful, like your body works, you're able to just stand here and you have teeth that you can brush, just like simple like affirmations like that. They have like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. And some days it's like more like that and other days it's, like it can be like more calm like yes like I remember yesterday like the choices you made were so like good you set yourself up for today um just like more mental affirmations as well and that has been really helpful in just like giving myself more ease and more confidence and to also treat other people the same way that I'm able to like treat myself every morning which is really nice because sometimes like giving compliments or giving affirmations to people that I really care about comes really hard for me because instead of recognizing like the good things that I see in them I might see similarities in like things that I look down on within myself and then it like reflects in other people and I'm like oh like Yeah, so when I'm able to like fully affirm myself, I'm able to fully affirm others like way better. Um, That's like a practice I've been doing every day, but other practices have just been like yoga, like feeling my body and just like that has helped to, um, yeah, like, like exercise helps mental health, yeah. It's really beautiful. Um, It sounds like it has, mindfulness has really helped you love in a really healthy and meaningful way that is positive and constructive for your life. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, I think we can move on to your topic. There we go. Education. Ciao. Tell us.
Who were you in high school? Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> You're amazing. Wow. I have a loaded question. <laughs> it is very loaded because there's so many like different masks that I wore in high school and so many different ups and downs. But I think that when I think of myself in high school, I think of a kind of insecure, quiet, but also like girl, like girl who's coming out of her shell and like finding her identity in many different ways. Um, I, ever since I was in elementary school, have like at the forefront of my mind been trying to be popular. Um, whereas inside, I feel like at that time, all I wanted was just to have friends, but it manifested in the way that I wanted popularity. I wanted to be with the cool kids and accepted in those groups. And so that was a struggle throughout like my whole K through 12 life, just pushing myself down and wearing a bunch of different masks in order to fit into a certain mold. And yeah, like it is a very loaded question because there's so many different things that I did in order to um, like fit those molds because I like bounced around from friend group to friend group in high school. I wanted to fit in with the really smart kids because they would like maybe influence me to be smarter. I would gain their brain power through osmosis or something. Um, I wanted to be well known among like the athletes. Um, yeah, it was a lot. <laughs> I wanted to be well known among like the popular kids, the cheerleaders, the like the popular Asian cool kids. Um, yeah, Chow back then was kind of a mess. <laughs> <laughs> no, Chow was amazing, just like how you are now. Well, uh, I guess, I guess so. Did you achieve it, or did you become popular? Um, okay, I think that I did achieve it. I was able to, like, I don't know. A lot of it, like, switched to like online popularity because that was when Facebook was really popular, like ever since middle school started for me and Instagram started being a thing. And yeah, like I was one of those people who would go and do photo shoots with my friends with their fancy cameras in order to get like over 100 Facebook likes on my profile pictures. And I reached that goal, but at what cost you know um i wasn't really able to truly realize like who my real friends were because i was trying to fit into so many different molds and i suffered through a lot of depression and i actually um attempted suicide sorry trigger warning um, my junior year of high school when studies were getting really difficult and there was a lot of drama happening between like all of the friend groups and like I think all of the fakeness that I like had 
between like all of those groups kind of like came out and they were like all the people were like chow who are you you know it was just a lot of trauma <laughs> during that time but well i love it thank you for sharing that. <laughs> suicide that's a huge topic do you know anyone that's uh themselves in high school um i don't personally know anyone who has um died of suicide but i know a lot of my friends as well during that time we all like two or three of them we were all like thinking of suicide like at the same time we were kind of it was kind of toxic because we were like egging each other on saying like this is the only way that our family or our peers will notice our struggle is only if we um, made an impact by killing ourselves. And um, luckily we didn't because I think just because we were able to also talk about it with each other, we, um, had our lows at the same t the same times, but we also were able to like just feel our highs together and realize that like these feelings can pass. And because we had really similar at home lives, we had strict Asian parents and we're all stressing about college. Um, just being able to share that with each other and relate to each other really helped with our depression. Um, yeah. I love it. Thank you for sharing. What, um, I guess, what would you say to kids right now that are in high school that are probably, you know, going through that depression? Um, like, you know, what would you, what are some practical tips, you know, and, and like practices that they can probably do, you know, feeling that, you know, the only way they're going to get attention is, you know, through a good practice. Yeah, I think it is a little difficult seeing how sometimes on different websites, like during my time, Tumblr kind of um, romanticized mental health and depression. And I feel like to a certain extent, TikTok is as well romanticizing um, someone with mental health issues. And, but that's not to say that there is also a community that can also help with mental health out there. There are many resources online and also just the feeling that you are not alone in, in our connected world mm -hmm. is very helpful. So I am like, hopeful for those who are suffering with depression or anxiety to have the support that they need. But I also would, would like to say a little bit about how it's not all like rainbows and sunshine once you achieve um, a certain ideal. For example, on Instagram or different like social medias, people just post what they like how they want to be perceived as all of the good in their life. They will post their best angles, they'll facetune. You don't know <laughs> how many people have facetune downloaded like 
probably millions of people. Um, there was a period of my life too, where I wouldn't post a photo unless it was like doctored in some way through Photoshop or like different filters. Um, and that the portrayals that you see on social media aren't like all sunshines and rainbows. Like once you are able to, for example, um, get your perfect body or um, like become a certain income level as an adult in the future, that doesn't like stop all of the suffering. And it's just like, there's a person behind that account, right? Right. And to not idealize what you see on social media. Um, yeah. Well, I love it. I love it. That was an awesome, deep conversation about the current state of education. Um, I would say we can move on to our final topic. Jeanette, let's get into it. I think this is a topic that... Uh, how you know you kind of discussing it in the beginning so i think it'd be nice to kind of wrap it up a little bit uh the stage is yours Jeanette. Um, <laughs> well yeah you you shared about self-love and how um after being exposed to mindfulness you were able to love more deeply i guess more truly to yourself can you talk more about that mm -hmm. um i'll talk about an example with my family because that's also been one of the relationships that i've worked on throughout like my teenage years and even now i grew up not really trusting adults or trusting authority because um, my family, um, they are immigrants, they're refugees from the Vietnam War, and they moved here before I was born. And so with my mom, she is like a wonderful mother. She's very nurturing and will do anything for her kids. Whereas my dad, he was more traditional. I think he didn't grow up with a very good example of love and affection because he was the oldest in the family and had to be left behind in Vietnam post-war, whereas the rest of his very large family moved to Virginia. They moved to the United States and were able to grow up here, had a high school, American high school experience, went to American colleges, and were also able to grow up amongst their siblings and very loving parents. And so my dad was in Vietnam with his grandparents who are extremely strict, extremely militant, and also in a post-war communist society that uh, was very cutthroat. He was just trying to survive. So then when he came here and um, had me, the oldest daughter, he had a lot of expectations that weren't really 
met because I was a baby and he kind of expected me to be perfect from the start, like have perfect grades, do be perfect in all my extracurriculars. Um, he wanted me to go to Harvard Med. <laughs> he wanted me to be a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer. Um, it was <laughs> very tough and like I was never allowed outside to play with anyone so I had a lot of neighborhood kids like I still like they are all in the houses like surrounding my house and they're all grown up now but I never was able to spend time with them growing up even though I could see them outside my window playing in their driveways whereas my brothers did because like my parents eased up on them but I yeah like I think because I was the oldest, I was like my parents' guinea pig. And I kind of was just like pushed to the side as they were like taking care of my other two siblings, the babies. Um, I felt a lot of resentment towards my parents um, because of their very strict um, parenting ways. And there was something that changed me because of mindfulness because of a Deer Park teen camp that I went to when I was 13. And one of the activities was to imagine your parents as children. Imagine yourself as a child, imagine your emotions as a child, and also imagine your parents as a child. And when I was thinking about my emotions as a child to take care of, including my resentment that I honestly felt really, really guilty about because my parents sacrificed so much to be able to offer me like a very like privileged life. I was able to treat my guilt and resentment and like honestly like slight hatred towards my dad as a child. And I was able to embrace it, recognize that it was there but it was there for a reason. But just like you can calm a crying baby, you can calm those emotions that you feel that you might not be um, so like proud of. So I was thinking about that throughout the whole retreat and decided that I like had a choice and I had like the agency to be able to change my relationship between my dad, even if it was just to understand him more in order for him to understand me more or to like be someone that he can emotionally rely on because he didn't have any of that at the time. All of his siblings who grew up in the United States didn't really understand um, how he could be so callous sometimes. And so they were offended personally, but I decided to like push those feelings away and really try to understand my dad more. And so loving my family has been like a really big work in progress because a lot of the things and like the problems that I see within like my family um, they like manifested themselves in me. Like I have a lot of the same 
like similar habits that I see my dad has or um, other members of my family have. And like, so it's like both, like I mentioned, or like both loving myself and then also being able to love others for who they are, like go hand in hand. And yeah, like now I'm able to like say, I love you to my dad and like show him affection, which he like loves. Like I never thought that he would be like a very affectionate guy. Like <laughs> my cousins always make jokes. Like when we were younger, our parents would be like, hey, if you don't do this, we'll call your, we'll call your uncle. <laughs> we'll call your... <laughs> like, so like, that's just like how my family views my dad but then like he's like a really like affectionate guy like really caring and kind and like like that's that was only able to come out because like I was I think able to like be there for him during like his most stressful times yeah. that's really beautiful <laughs> Yeah, um, that's so funny because I remember the first time that I had given my dad a kiss on the cheek, he was just like super <laughs> Um, But as we've like grown in our relationship, it is like a very common thing where we show each other um, affection. And I think like growing up in really strict Asian households, especially with refugee parents and, you know, all of the traumas that come with that, uh, a lot of growth and beauty and love can also unfold if you allow it to. And yeah, find that forgiveness in your heart. Because it is really challenging, mm -hmm. I think. Um, but then I think the evolution of love and the beauty of love is that it there's enough for everybody. It just takes a lot of intentional, mm -hmm. conscious action. Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. for sharing Joe thank you for sharing Jeanette thanks <laughs> thank you for being here <laughs> you have any more questions about love for uh for Chow? um I guess what does it look like in your life now like what is what is love to you and how do you mm -hmm. how do you live embodied in love Mm -hmm. yeah that's a good question because I just got out of a serious relationship of like two and a half years which is my longest relationship and the most serious that I've ever been in a relationship I I'm sorry um, I'm, have, just, I'm just reacting because what oh <laughs> yeah so I, like two weeks ago, I, yeah, broke up with my partner um, and Savage. moved out. Savage. <laughs> um, which honestly was a really good thing for me because I haven't been single for like seven years. <laughs> I'm always like, like every time, um, like, I like in high school I would like have ongoing crushes like a rotating like list of crushes like those crazy hormones just made me like in love with like 
500 people at the same time like when one person wouldn't give me attention I would like move on to the next and like talk to them or like think about them (laughs) all the time um and and then um in college that like manifested to me being on dating apps like at all times whenever I was bored I would be on a dating app like swiping through people talking to people meeting people at parties and like having like friends with benefits relationships or like just yeah like there would I would always like need to feel validated by another person in my life or feel like I'm like striving towards something if I'm like bettering myself for my future husband or wife like that was always my mindset I feel like I feel like I'm always working to please others where whether it be like through popularity or with a fulfilling partnership like something like that like um which is like I realize like is not the best way to live and especially like right now in quarantine it feels like honestly really really good to be like single and focus on myself I feel like the affirmations that I do every morning like really like hit stronger now that I trust myself I trust what I say to myself I'm more intentional also with the affirmations that I give to myself and it just feels so good to like fully love myself now and not feel like I need to download Tinder right away or like like hit up some person from my past, you know, like um so it feels really good to like love myself right now, also focus on my family and yeah, that's where I'm at with love right now. Wow, you can fire right now. <laughs> fire! Thank you. Touching the hearts of millions. All the kids watching. Here you go. <laughs> awesome. So, Jeanette, any, uh, any, uh, any more? What's that? Any more questions, Jeanette? Um, I think I think she touched on a lot of really powerful and deep stuff. I agree. I agree. I agree. Chow, you killed it. You absolutely killed it. Um, I just have some, uh, just some you know soundbite questions that I just kind of want to run through. Um, so I so first question is, uh, what are the biggest, uh. Like from from a student side, what do you think teachers can improve on? So like two things that teachers can improve on uh, in the classroom. Okay, I feel like this is really hard within my school like district because our class sizes were really large. But I feel like teachers like I would have loved to have like a really deep connection with my teachers, especially in elementary school. I feel like teachers were so tired of us by the time like school ended or like lunch started um, that they wouldn't really, or like way too busy. They wouldn't um, really 
like establish a relationship with us or like ask about how like our friend groups are going, ask us about our home life, I guess. And I feel like I would have really appreciated that as um, like a small child who didn't really have any adults to talk to growing up. Um, yeah, I'm like tearing up, but <laughs> yeah, I feel like <laughs> a lot of my teachers, like I would have really loved to like talk to them because like to the class, they seem so like loving and like caring with like, like the educational side of it. Like they were really encouraging of like females to be good at math or like like saying it's okay to like stay in, like inside during recess to like read but I feel like if they also like asked us what was happening like in our minds like that would have really <laughs> oh my god so emotional <laughs> but it out <laughs> right that was your intention um yeah but i like yeah usually i cry when i'm like thinking of something that i've never thought about yet that like really hits emotionally but yeah <laughs> i love it if teachers <laughs> would like just like do like mental health check-ins or like like if they noticed a student being bullied or like noticed like off vibes within a student, like, yeah, to just be there. Um, I can remember I, in third grade, I had a teacher who like wasn't that. She like blamed me for a lot of there was like a lot of like theft happening or like random things that were happening in the classroom that like, yeah, just like theft or like, not like theft, but like some students were like taking pencils from the desk when we were like doing rotations and like kids were complaining. And then she would, I don't know, like, individually call like only certain students to talk to them like in the middle of class like in front of the whole class she she called me out and she was like chow we need to meet like in the quiet room right now like in front of the whole class and I was like the first person that she called for that even though she called like other students too but I feel like after that I like really got targeted by my by a bunch of eight eight-year-olds <laughs> Um, which like felt really devastating at the time because like I had like I was like trying to make friends and um, I feel like and then at the end of the year when we had like our eighth grade little trip to the rollerblade rink and like yearbook signing my family like couldn't afford that so then like she kind of like I don't know, like targeted me for that too. She was like, why aren't you going to this? Like, do you not like like people? <laughs> and I was like, no, like first you're targeting me for like stealing things. And then you're targeting me for like not being like 
able to afford a yearbook and like a rollerblading trip. And I don't know, that teacher, <laughs> like that is not how you deal with a student, but <laughs> wow, thanks, <laughs> I see that. Um, yeah, but just to really like understand like the diversity in your students and like understand that they're, they might be dealing with a lot of other things and to like that, to not like be discouraged when kids are closed off because like just like being there and like present or just even asking, even if they don't say anything back, like really would like mean a lot to, it would have meant a lot for me. Yeah. I love, I love that. And there it is, folks. That's the end of the show. Thank you guys for watching. Um, before I forget, uh, Bodhi Academy is looking for members to join the oversight committee to build the best mindfulness school in Southern California. Shoot us a message if you want to learn more. Also, if you need tutoring, online tutoring, after school care, mindfulness practice, please do Bodhi Academy for all those needs. Ciao. Thank you very much. Uh, give me last words for the audience. Where can people find you? Um, well, if you want to add me on Instagram, my Instagram is at C-H-O-W-L-E-H. I post kind of like meme troll things, but <laughs> it's like not like a public account. I'm not trying to like gain followers. I'm not an influencer. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> um i'm trying to make like be like one of the wholesome people on instagram <laughs> but um also if you have any questions about anything or want like advice about career paths or just want to talk my email is chle dot b-o-n-b-o-n-n-i at gmail.com <laughs> Um, to anyone out there. And also thank you for having me and for listening. Um, I hope I wasn't too rambly. I love you all. <laughs> You're perfect. Love you, <laughs> I love you thank too. You, so shook still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll update you on that. <laughs> okay, yes, please. <laughs> all right, guys, thank you very much. Catch you guys later. Thank you, Joe.